Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Crazy night in downtown Phoenix as the Suns welcome the Oklahoma City Thunder, the second-seeded Oklahoma City Thunder, to the friendly confines of the footy. Suns go up big early, 13 points right off the bat, come out ball movement, uh, finding mismatches, executing the offense. Turnovers take over again, and the Phoenix Suns quickly find themselves in a 24-point deficit. But they fight back. Nay, they take the lead from the Thunder in the fourth quarter. But ultimately, talent and team play wins out. And teams that don't turn over the bottle, ball, the bottle, the the ball typically come out on top. It's exactly what happened again tonight. A story we know all too well here in Phoenix. You turn the ball over a ton, you end up losing. Phoenix Suns lose 118 to 110. Matthew, the Suns are now two and four. Yeah, that's exactly where you want to be, right? Two and four. Um, but great start tonight. Uh, I think it had to be basically like a miraculous play all night long. And you can see as soon as they had that lead in there, Gordon Drew Eubanks kind of came in there in the first. Um, there was a little bit of confidence that was left with that first team unit that went on the bench. So in order to get back in the game, they had to make that push and then hope that the Thunder would miss shots. And that's what happened. Um, but they just fell short, of course. All that energy spent and just them to have enough in the end. It's a lot like what we've experienced with the Suns of late is they lose focus, allow the opposition to get a sizable lead. And to their credit, they fight back. But all that energy it takes to fight back causes deflation at the very end of the game. They lose their focus one more time and the Suns again lose so welcome ladies and gentlemen to the sun's jam session podcast whether you're watching along live or watching later or listen to the podcast appreciate you appreciate you taking a little time out of your life to hang out with the jam session and your fellow jamsters if you're watching please hit that thumbs up button please subscribe we're over 3500 subscribers on youtube now which is pretty exciting to think that 3500 people press subscribe it's a, a tribute to you can't thank you enough for listening and spending time with us and if you are on the podcast side of this if you like the audio only because you don't want to see our ugly mugs i don't blame you good for you but make sure if you're on apple podcasts you rate us five stars you write a review and we'll read it right here on the pod it's the best way to let other people know where to hang out to find out about the phoenix suns and some of the most unfiltered realist comments you're going to find on the interwebs right here on the Suns Jam Session Podcast. My name is John Voida. You can follow me at Darth Voida on Twitter. His name is Matthew Lissy. You can follow him at Matthew Lissy. You can follow the show at Suns Jam, and you can read our writing at brightsideofthesun.com. Let's get into this one, Matthew. Let's, uh, let's talk about another loss for the Suns. Let's crack him if we got him. It's nice when Matthew's on mute and he's at the games. You don't have to hear the shit on the side. You can just see him lip sync. Let's start it.
losses for the Phoenix Suns as they fall to the hands of the Oklahoma City Thunder by a final score of 118 to 110 giving up 29 points and only scoring 25 in the final quarter, one in which they had to valiantly fight back just to stay relevant in this game. Uh, and I got an interesting question for you, Matthew. Oi, Matty. Mate, I've got to ask. So, Matthew, I got to ask you this question. If you had the choice to build your franchise around one player, who you taking? SGA or Devin Booker? All right, Jamsters. <laughs> How could I answer that right now? You know, the first time I came to see the Thunder, I was joking with um, uh, for somebody at the game. I'm so bad with names. <laughs> I was joking at the game, and we we're talking about SGA or Booker. But on that, at that time, Booker was undoubtedly the choice. Between the two, right now you go SGA, right? SGA is probably gonna be the MVP of the league this year, so you have to go with the MVP of the league. Um, it's not gonna get, it's they're not gonna give it to Jokic again. It's gonna be SGA. So right now, cover your ears. At the last pod, I talked about trading Devin Booker. I'm like, <laughs> these 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 Suns fans, Jazzers are not gonna like me anymore. I'm gonna say SGA right now. All right, so I'll change my mind again. What do you think? Uh, well, looking at some of the jamsters, you got P. Felram says DB. Uh, Kiko says Booker. Who else? Uh, Saul says I'm sticking with Booker. Eddie Yee says uh, SGA reminds me of a quick CP3 when he scores mid range. And then Huebo says SGA, no doubt. Health and going for an MVP. Love Book, but SGA is on another level. John Tran, Booker, but lately SGA has really put it together. Joey says my heart is broken. Book for life. This is a basketball conversation on a Suns podcast. The inclination right off the bat is to say Devin Booker. Who are you starting a franchise around? You would say Devin Booker for a lot of the intangibles that we have felt here as Suns fans, right? The way that he's embraced the community, the little things that he does, not only for this team, but for the community as a whole, that make him somebody who's more than just a player to this community. He's special. He's obviously been with the seat with the Suns for nearly a decade now. And there's been a, an affinity and an affection that we've all gained for him because of his off the court connectivity and what he's meant to this franchise, how he's re energized us, how he's righted the ship uh, of a franchise that was lost at sea for numerous years. But that being said, if I was to be posed the question I asked you, if I was to start today and build a, my franchise around one player, and it was either SGA or Devin Booker, I would go with Shea Gilgis-Alexander. Uh, and that is an unbiased opinion. My bias says Devin Booker all day. I love Devin Booker. He's my favorite, he's my favorite basketball player. I got a pair of his shoes coming in the mail tomorrow, man. I fucking love D-Book, D, D man. But overall, SGA has one of the things that I've talked about briefly on the podcast that sets him apart. Uh, and that's the fact that Devin Booker, due to his physical attributes, has a ceiling. He doesn't have long arms. He's six five. He doesn't, you know, he he has to jump out of the building to create separation on his shots. Whereas SGA is is longer uh, and has the ability to go around defenders and doesn't have to work as hard to create his shots. And he's also a much much better defender. He's leading the NBA in steals this year. 
And there was some debate on Twitter prior to the game about this exact situation. And some of the uh, arguments pro book and anti SGA were, well, look what SGA's done in the playoffs. He hasn't made it out of the first round. And I say to that a couple of things. One, Booker couldn't make the playoffs until CP3 came into town. And to sit there and say that SGA is somebody who has these amazing stats but hasn't had any success in the postseason is hypocritical if you're going to say Devin Booker's name because essentially you're calling SGA a looter in the riot, just like Devin Booker once was labeled. Devin Booker hasn't had great players around him. Neither has SGA. He's been on a team that has a gazillion draft picks upcoming because they've been trading and playing the lottery, and he's been the shining light that they can build around, just like Devin Booker was. So he might be a year younger or year or two younger than Devin Booker, but he hasn't had those opportunities yet. Talk to me at the end of this postseason run, and we'll see where SGA is. But that's who I go with. I I, I, I go with SGA. Yeah, I mean, he's the guy I predicted to be the MVP this season. So everyone remember that. I'm going to keep bringing up every fucking pod because I love HGA. And um, the thing is, he doesn't really have the talent around him yet. But this team goes after it defensively, but it's led by him. It goes after it offensively. Obviously, he's so versatile to that offense. He can do whatever is needed to end a game like tonight where the Suns come back, take a four or five point lead. And then he just push it back, take his time in the paint. Once he gets in there, it's over. He can control a game like that. Booker does the same thing. But this season for the Thunder, no one could have guessed this except for me, them being at the top of the West and going into the playoffs as number one and number two seed. That's all led by SGA. And Chet, yes, he's been committed to this team. He's been he's they've been building around him as well. That's like the one-two punch right there but they have other guys on the team that no one really knows still, right? So this team is not really on the radar, and they only are because of SGA. So SGA, definitely more athletic, a guy that you can build around. Booker, you can, but Booker needs the deal. Booker needs the Kevin Durant to step up. In order for this team to have a chance in the playoffs, I just see SGA as a guy that you know you can't doubt in the playoffs. I can lead a team that's full of not no-namers, but they're just they're, the team's getting there to where they're more recognized. I feel like they're more respected than like a Kings team that actually has names on it. And that's only because they have SGA and that's just how fucking good he is. No, I completely agree. And again, we don't know yet what the postseason holds for him or what his postseason career truly holds for him. Cause the only time he's ever made it, he's got a play in appearance and he played with CP three all those years ago uh, when CP three was on the thunder and they played the Rockets in a good series. So he's somebody who definitely has the talent. And, and and even when you mentioned Chet Holgram, he's quote unquote a rookie this year. This is first year in the league. You know, he was in the league last year, but he was out the entire time with an injury. And then you look at Jalen Williams, who's a local kid from, from here in uh, Phoenix, and he has a great secondary scoring option for that team. And overall, the only thing that they lack is size. And we'll talk about that size momentarily and what it equated to tonight. Uh, Cody W. in the chat. Uh, again, thanks for joining us. He says, SGA is a foul merchant. 100% he is. And he knows how to manipulate his body, the defenders, and the officials in his favor. And that's a talent. It's something that, is it frustrating? Yeah, but it's a talent to have. We've talked about it for years. Since Harden truly started foul baiting probably about six, seven, eight seasons ago, we started talking about it. How, Although it might be annoying to watch, 
SGA is elite at getting to the line, and you need that. It's important to have that, especially going into the postseason. We talked about it so much last season going into the postseason. Despite the fact the team had dismantled their organic chemistry, they also were a team that were near the in the bottom third of getting to the line in free throw attempts. And how unbelievably that Im- important that is come playoff time because points come at a premium and possessions have added pressure and weight to them every time. And if you have somebody who can slow the game down enough and manipulate the officials in their body and the defenders into getting to the line, that is a plus you go back and you look at some of the great teams that we've seen. Even recently, they know how to get to the line. They know how to take advantage of that and put impose their will and put pressure on the opposition because of foul trouble. You start doing that, people start racking up fouls. That's what happened tonight. SGA got hit with his fourth, had to go out for the game. The Suns put a 36-6 run on this team to get back in it. But then SGA comes back with 827 left in the fourth quarter, goes 5 of 7 from the field, scores 11 points, uh, has two rebounds, has an assist, and ends his night with a total of 35 points on 15 to 27 shooting, nine assists, eight rebounds, three steals, two blocks. It was an all-around great effort by SGA tonight, and that was kind of the difference maker when everything was said and done. Yeah, and uh, before I get into that, Mark Ann had a really good comment. Booker's the number two player with number one games much of the time. I do love that because we we have talked about that on the pod. Agreed. He has his games where, like, I'll always say, like Kobe, and then all of a sudden, like, he's just non-existent. He doesn't really close out games like SGA can. And he says SGA is a flat-out number one player. He definitely is. Um, and I hate we keep praising him, but he's just a great player. But um, the way that I feel like, you know, SGA was – the double teams are coming in the third, and the Suns went on that run. But it really had a lot to do with – and I love the effort from the Suns. They kept fighting. They hit those big threes. But the Thunder were not hitting those wide-open shots. Like, SGA, the, the doubles were coming, but he was getting out of them. He wasn't turning the ball over. He was moving the ball around. And they were finding other guys on that team to shoot the ball in the third – and they just weren't falling. So as much as I want to say, like, the defense was great, it was on SGA to have the double team. A lot of times it was, like, Nurk and, uh, and uh, KD out there on the perimeter trying to stop them. But the Suns just – they were giving up so wide open shots. It's just the Thunder couldn't capitalize. Um, and then the Suns, obviously, on the other end, were hitting threes when necessary, but they would miss a few. Be like, oh, there goes our run. And then the Thunder would miss some shots. I'm like, okay, well, we're back in it still. So they kept us in it with that. Um, but SGA still found a way. Like you said in the end, he's like, I'll just take this over. And you don't see that too much with Book. Um, but that's why we have Beal and KD to help him out. Well, and to that point, the third quarter, the Oklahoma City Thunder were 9 of 27 from the field and 3 of 12 from beyond the arc. So they And a lot of it, as you mentioned, wasn't because of the defense that was forced upon them. They were still wide open shooters. They just weren't knocking down the shots. Uh, and when the shot came back, obviously the runs, the runs stopped, but it carried into the fourth quarter. But obviously one of the biggest stories of the night, Yusuf Nurkic sets the single game record for the Phoenix Suns in total rebounds. Oh, Against the Oklahoma City Thunder, you know that their biggest weakness is their interior. Chet Holmgren is not a physical big. He isn't. He's slight. Uh, He definitely has some defensive capabilities with his reach and his blockability, if you will. But rebounding has always been something that they face uh, and are challenged with night in and night out. And if you're going to go against 
a team that when it comes to total rebounds is 26th in the league, you know you're going to have some opportunities to be effective on the glass. Will Yusuf Nurkic put up one hell of a stat line tonight? Seven of 16 from the field for 14 points. Matthew, he had 31 rebounds, 18 defensive, 13 offensive. Unbelievable performance by Yusuf Nurkic. He had like 12 rebounds in the first five minutes of the game, man. It was incredible. You know, um, when he left, though, you can just feel it. And that, that's how crazy it is with him being – I mean, the Suns are basically 0-5 now without him on the floor, him not ending last game against the Rockets. They failed to come back and win that game. When Nurkic is out, man, like the whole, it, you feel on the defensive end, offensive end, like the way he holds things together and you know, he's the, the connector we always say, it's just more critical than anything. Of course we're missing book tonight, but we really feel when Nurk is out. And I always remember like the press conferences they would have after a loss when Nurk was out. Book would always talk about, yeah, Nurk's a big part of it. And it's like, yeah, I guess he is. It's like, oh, yeah, he actually is. And you, you listen to Bill Simmons, and I don't care. I'm going to talk about it always. Where Bill <laughs> Simmons doesn't even think he's a real center in the NBA. Like, that's how critical he is in this team. So it's night 31 rebounds. God bless him, dude. He goes all out, man. He is all on the floor. He's like, I think he broke his legs a couple times tonight. Like, he's on the floor, and I'm, I'm Wednesday. I'm like, oh, please get up. But the the impact he has in this game is just, it's it's endless. And I think that... Him facilitating the ball around, finding the wide open shooters, manning up Chet when he has him underneath the rim, and using that big booty of his to get up underneath his waist. Like, it, it's great, man. Like he can actually, basically, he can he can change the game in an instant, but also just control the game in the paint just like that. And you noticed the rest of the game. Every time he was down there, I just feel like the Thunder were already running down the other side of the court not wanting to mess with Nurk. Like, anytime it was a shot, you know, the second chance opportunities were limited at times, and that was usually when Nurk was on the floor. And the Thunder were like, I'm not messing with that big booty. Like, I'm going down the <laughs> other side of the court. I'm not messing with that. So, good for Nurk, dude. He was probably farting down there. Who knows? <laughs> yeah, uh, he had some Chipotle before the game and had some pretty bad gas. He got a burrito bowl, and he just loaded it up with both black beans and uh, refried beans and just said, I'm going to be down there rebounding and farting. So if you want to be around that, Chet, Abraham Lincoln-looking motherfucker, you're going to have to smell my farts. Uh, just be ready for that. And I can't wait until tomorrow when I'm driving to work and I'm listening to the Bill Simmons podcast, and he'll gloss over the fact that Nurkic had 31 rebounds tonight and just be like, yeah, he's not, he's not a real center. I, 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 I still don't trust him, right? Like, that's his good. I just don't trust him. He'll say, oh, Drummond just had 22 the other night or something like that. He'll say, well, Drummond got 22. So, yeah, it's expected. That's a little sad. Yeah, yeah. He's like, oh, yeah, that's what he's supposed to do is grab 32. But let, let me tell you about Jason Tatum. Let me tell you about uh, <laughs> Porzingis. You know, he's not injury prone at all, even though he didn't play today. Uh, and they smashed the fucking Warriors. So I guess <sighs> he's going to be right again, you know, but not right about Nurk. But in a, again, an amazing performance expected against a team that their rebounding is their Achilles heel. It's the one thing that's going to prevent them from going out and potentially winning a title this year is they don't have the effective rebound. And we know what's that, what that's like, don't we, Suns fans, to not have rebounding because there's numerous situations. In fact, I go back to just last night against the Houston Rockets where the Suns couldn't box out, couldn't rebound. It cost us Devin Booker. I'm pissed. I'm still pissed off about that on the play in which Devin Booker was guarding Fred Van Vliet and was moving backwards and stepped on the ankle of Royce O'Neal. It was a result of a rebound that the, the Suns couldn't corral. 
and it was a secondary possession for the Rockets, and then they get a chance to do it, and then Booker gets hurt. Now, Booker was not in the arena tonight. He does have a sprained ankle. We should know more by Tuesday per Frank Vogel, so we'll see what he says there, but he was at home watching this game most likely. Uh, and that's obviously not a good sign. You know, there's going to be quite some time in which Devin Booker will be out. And that means that other people are going to have to step up. And the nice thing, the one thing that the Suns do have going for themselves, if they, they, they do have somebody who could slip right into that role. And she said, you're not the only one, but show the best Bradley. Bradley Beal tonight, uh, 34 total minutes played. So whenever Frank Vogel tells you something, oh, he's on a minutes restriction. Oh, he's going to be, he's day to day. Just never trust a word he says. If he says day to day, it means two weeks. If he says he's on a minute restriction for 20 minutes, it means he'll play 34 minutes. 31 points for Beal tonight on 10 of 14 shooting, including three of five from beyond the arc. He also added six assists and four rebounds did have seven turnovers as a part of the Suns' 21 turnovers, which we'll definitely be talking about here. But if Booker's going to be out, the the silver prize, if you will, is the fact that we do have Beal coming back from his injury, and he does have the ability to score and get hot like we saw tonight. Yeah, his ability to really move the ball in the first quarter. Um, you saw it a lot with him and KD. Like, they continued to move the ball, and that's the way they got the big lead. But it kind of just, towards the end of the game, it was just him versus Shea in a way, exchanging blows. But, um, you know, Shea's going to kind of have to hold him there. But Beal, coming back second game, I mean, the point total, obviously 31 points tonight. It's incredible to see that um, in a losing effort. But him just showing that he has that explosiveness to get the Suns back into the game like he did. That's enough for me to see because coming into this game, I think we all thought it was going to be a blowout, right? And we, it basically was. Um, but Beal having that offensive firepower, that goofiness he had after making a shot, showing up the defender. I mean, we saw it time and time after again, time after time again. Time if I even say, time. did I say that right? I don't know. Time and yeah. again. Time and again. He, back and forth with, with Shea, and, but Shea outplayed him. But also, the thing is, Beal and KD. There are just stretches where they just have a hard time passing the ball to each other. And obviously, you see the fact that the OKC Thunder around the perimeter defensively, they're going to just leap towards those balls that are just you know, a little out of the reach of the Suns players. They're going to kind of just get in there and grab them from them. They're just more athletic, more fast than the Suns. And with Katie being as slow as he is, it doesn't really help with that. But Beal, like you said, with the turnover, has contributed to that. But what sucks is like you, now you got to try to have him be the leader with Booker being out, and we'll see if he can. Tonight was a good step towards that. It wasn't the best all around, but this was a good first step for him, I feel like. Yeah, and we don't need him to be the leader. We need him to be a leader because you obviously have Kevin Durant out there as well. And I really like what John Tran says in the chat. He says he had some good shiftiness tonight. Need that. Don't need the turnovers. Yeah, I mean, I, I annotated that in my notes as well to where his off-ball movement was great to see. One of the issues that we had with Bradley Beal, especially as a member of the Big Three in the first games in which he was playing with the Big Three, and he was learning 
where his spots were going to be is Bradley Beal's off ball movement was kind of non-existent and he would just hang out either in the corner at the three quarter mark of the three point line and just stand and watch and not cut or do anything. Even if the end result isn't that he's going to get the ball, what it does is it creates movement movements, a good thing in the NBA because it puts pressure on the defense. And if you put pressure on the defense, you're forcing them into thinking if your defender just has to simply stand in front of, we all know what that's like, right? When you go and you play the pickup game at the Y and you got the one guy who you're guarding and he's winded and he just wants to stand behind the three point line. You're like, thank you, because you get to stand as well. You don't have to worry about him and you can bleed into the paint and maybe, you know, put your hand in there and try to knock the ball out. And you do, but you also jam your thumb and you start to yell some expletives and you probably had some Chipotle beforehand and you had a burrito bowl and it was both black beans and the refried beans and you start tooting. Uh, and if that guy though, if you're on that guy who's constantly moving, it just creates more chaos. It creates fatigue. And obviously these are elite athletes. So that fatigue is a different level than what I experienced at the Y when I've had some Chipotle, but at the same time, that's what Bradley Beal was doing tonight is he was running off ball. He was cutting uh, and his cutting aspect of the offense is so key moving forward. And it freed up himself and it freed up some three point shooters like Royce O'Neal, who got the start tonight and hit some shots uh, that I thought were big, especially in that comeback for the sun. So moving forward with Bradley Beal, we'll continue to, you know, uh, see how he does become a leader on this team versus the leader and what he can do to, try to get the sun some wins in a very upcoming uh in a very tough upcoming schedule for this team yeah it's hard to believe in though isn't it yes like just just to say <laughs> um you know we went off tonight with sga and we lost 30 viewers just because we're talking about sga you know but now oh, well. i'm not i'm not gonna dog Beal at all but it's just hard to believe in right now to think like hey Beal, and i, I know him and katie both have the lead but you've seen how KD has been to end these games. He's just kind of fallen off. Mm -hmm. So for Beal to be the leader, you've never seen it in his career, really. So, I mean, it's hard to believe in right now. So we'll see if he can prove us wrong. I just – I don't have that belief. I have belief that these games will be tighter. They'll be closer maybe like tonight. But to end games and finish teams off, I don't think I've ever seen that really without the help of Booker, obviously. So we'll see if he can do it. Um, there's a lot of fucking hard games coming up to do that. Well, and, and that's where – and that's where we talk about the the challenge that he had tonight with those seven turnovers is when the pressure is put on him to not to just be somebody who is gets to play alongside Devin Booker and Kevin Durant and be a scorer. He has to actually be a facilitator. The pressure on him was a little too much tonight. And again, it might be a little too much to ask right off the bat, coming off the injury uh, and instantly being put in a spot where he has to be and is forced to, be that guy, but that's, that's a result that moving forward, you know, you have to be that guy and we've run out of time essentially for that to occur and turnovers, I guess I can, you know, it's a good transition into turnovers. You know, there's one spot and I think it was in the second quarter, maybe it was in the third and Kevin Durant was picked by Lou Dort. And then Kevin Durant was picked by SGA and then Beal was stripped by SGA. And then Gordon had an Eric pass and it was stolen by Wiggins. That's four consecutive possessions. And it's just boom, 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 boom. And when everything was said and done tonight, the Phoenix Suns ended with 22 total turnovers and 31 points off of those turnovers, 22 and 31. 
The Thunder, conversely, had six total turnovers and nine points off those turnovers. So just knowing that, give me your initial thoughts on what that means, not only in this game, but what it means for to this team in this season. It's just the trust you have in them, like we were talking about with Beal. Like, if you can trust them to end games or play the game, not flawless, but in a game like this, you kind of have to. And the, to lose only by eight and you have that many turnovers, it's just like, come on, the four in a row. It's just unexpected. And I'm sorry, it is expected. But it's just <laughs> Unfortunately. like, are, are we still doing this? But what the first thing that comes to mind, though, especially when it's going on during the game, it's like we just always look slow. We always look bolder in those situations, playing young teams like this in Oklahoma City Thunder, where defensively we have no chance. Like, when they're, you know, when we're turning the ball over and they're that quick to grab the ball and just hit the um, run down to the other side and just have an easy lay and easy dunk at the other side. You see that too many times and it just, it hurts because in these kind of games, man, when you have the confidence that you have to start the game and you have that kind of flow in the offense, you don't want to ruin it. But where it starts is with guys like Eric Gordon, other guys coming off the bench where they're just kind of incompetent at times to make the right basketball play and it kind of bleeds through their guys. And then they start having, they start putting their heads down and then the only way to really get back in the game is that just to hit those threes. But right now, the, the turnovers, I don't really think it's ever going to end. I think this mm-hmm. is just the way the Suns are. I think we're, what, game 60? Um, this is the Suns team. We're accepting of it, I feel like. And we have to kind of just, I don't know, 20-plus turnovers a game. We're going to have to see it every game. So. Well, you said probably the key word in there. We just have to accept it. You know, 22 turnovers tonight. That is their second most this season. They had 23 against Detroit, and they had 22 against Orlando earlier in the season. That Orlando game was a game we lost by 15 points, and we actually beat the crud out of the Detroit Pistons because it's the Detroit Pistons, and they can't shoot. But you said the key word there, acceptance, right? You you take a look at this team. They averaged before tonight 14.9 turnovers a game. That's 25th in the NBA. Last season, they averaged 13.5 turnovers. That was 11th. And two seasons ago, the year after the finals, when we were won 64 games, they averaged 12.9, which was seventh. So I'll ask you this. Is that the CP3 effect? Is that the product of bad coaching? Is the, that the product of mercenary roster construction? Why do you think that this team has gotten so bad year over year with their turnovers? This season... I think a lot of it has to do with trust. And the only reason I say that is... Every time they ask Kevin Durant in a post-game interview about Grayson Allen, um, Eric Gordon, or even Bol Bol, it's always like the, oh, yeah, I didn't know that they had this in their game, right? So I think it's beginning to feel each other. I'm not saying like they don't trust each other, but they kind of have to earn that trust. And to start the game out like they did in the first quarter where you saw that there was trust and they just allowed each other to really move the ball and uh, cut, um, make the extra pass to the corner for the three, like stuff like that. When that was happening, you could see the trust, right? They start to gain it this season, and then all of a sudden there's injuries. And when you're missing guys and other guys have to step up, like even tonight when you see Saban Lee getting big minutes, you're like, oh, this is probably not good when he's getting big minutes. Then you have to trust him, and then he has to work his way into it, and he has to gain confidence. So there's a lot of ins and outs. It's just never consistent this season. So that's where my mind really goes. So I go a couple different ways on this. One, I think it is the CP3 effect. You know, we've talked about it all season, quote unquote, the Suns don't need a point guard, right? 
Uh, well, this kind of shows you that you do just because at certain moments, I mean, Bradley Beal's a shooting guard and that's why he turns the ball over seven times. Devin Booker is a shooting guard and that's why he turns the ball over a lot. Kevin Durant isn't meant to facilitate as much as he does. That's why he turns the ball over a lot. So I think it's a combination of the CP3 effect and the product of a mercenary roster construction where because you've gone out and you've just hired these guys with massive salaries, it goes back to the conversation we had on Father's Day. Where and that's the day that we acquired Bradley Beal. It's like, well, why did we get Beal, man? We already have Booker. Like, why are we getting two of the same guy? Why are we getting two shooting guards? Oh, they'll figure it out. You know, they're good. They can both play make. And we've looked at the advanced statistics and we've talked about it. But we would need some semblance of a point guard, somebody who can initiate offense. And I'm I'm starting to kind of fall and accept that that's probably what this issue is because the turnover thing isn't, it's something that I talked about earlier in the season where it's like, is it unfortunate? Yeah. Is it a learning curve? Probably. Is it correctable? Absolutely. But none of those things have occurred. And it's because it's just not meant to be in my opinion. And so tonight was the first night that I think I've achieved personal acceptance with this team, that this team isn't it, that this team's not going to work, that this team has its flaws, that this team is not on the same level as numerous teams in the NBA. And because I accepted that, I was just happier watching the game. You know, they were down 24 points, and I was like, you know what? I'm just going to enjoy watching basketball. I'm not going to sit here and get all frustrated and emotionally bent out of shape because we're getting slapped in the face by a team that's clearly better than us. Is Booker out? Yeah, but we still got Kevin Durant and Bradley Beal out there, and, and Nurkic is setting franchise records of single-season game rebounds, and we're just getting punched in the face. It's because we just, this isn't it. It's not it this season. Whatever the design was, it, it was incorrect. It's, you know, it's like putting together a crystal radio set and you're sitting there and you're trying to collect, connect the electrodes and whatnot. And you just, it just doesn't work. You're not picking up an FM radio station or AM radio station. You just get a low and you're like, okay, I tried. I just didn't put it together correctly. I'll try again, except, and you'll be happier. Yeah, I'm kind of with you. Um, I think the only thing is, of course, we can go back to injuries, but this team did look so good when they were healthy and they had the big three. I, I know the point guard situation is huge, but it would come into play when one of these guys are missing. Um, I think with Book, KD, and Beal on the floor, when they have four or five games beneath them, they move the ball well where there's not really – the turnovers are still there, but they're limited once they start to kind of, you know – gain some kind of cohesion and they just can play ball together. Um, once that happens, then it looks really good. And we've seen mm-hmm. that this season. We saw it this but, game. But like, I know. And like before pods ago, we were just like, well, that's the way the Suns team is though. We're, we're an injury team. We're a team that's going to be injured going into the playoffs. And we have to accept that. We have to accept the fact that we have to find somehow to win these games and sitting up here watching the game, uh, writing the recap, you can just tell that the Suns don't have it in them to finish games like this. And you, once SGA gets going and the turnovers continue, you're just like, yeah, this is the way Suns are going to end games now because they don't have that point guard. Mm-hmm. But if they did, if they were healthy, that's fine. But that's their thing. If they were healthy, and we can't rely on that because it's not going to happen this season. So I'm Bingo. more accepting too. Um, it just it does suck because you think about the future, and I start thinking about Booker and how long he has to be. Uh, like a prime player, so just and all like the that. assets we don't have, exactly. Uh, so it gets that's why I feel like 
us, we all hold on to that hope to where they can turn things around and squeak out of championship somehow, miraculously. But that doesn't happen unless we all manifest it together and join hands here at Footprint Center. Maybe it'll happen, but Gotta that's all. That yeah, get rid of the bad juju in here. And Nicholas Blackiston in the chat again. Thanks for joining. Says Suns are still nine games over five hundred. West is competitive, and they've had moments they've looked great. We haven't seen the big four plus Allen plus Royce together. And I agree with that. I mean, this isn't a horrible situation. The season's not over. But I think that I've accepted the fact that it all those variables that Nicholas is talking about right there, it's like this perfect scenario. And, it's, and it'll never happen. That's the challenge. We've th- This team can't stay healthy. It's full of injury-prone players. We knew that when everything happened. Um, and they do look great. They've looked great. They're an unbelievable offensive team. We can see them be a great defensive team. But what they do is it's not sustainable. It's not sustainable game to game. It's not sustainable quarter to quarter. It's not sustainable minute to minute. I mean, you go back and you look at that third quarter when they put that big run on OKC. Guess what happened? They stopped turning the fucking ball over. They started moving the ball around the court and people were finding each other. And yeah, OKC was missing shots, but the Suns were making them pay because they weren't going into isolation heavy offense and they were taking care of the ball. What killed them in the fourth quarter? Well, they started to turn that ball over again, right? Fourth quarter alone, the Suns had six turnovers and led to nine points. How much did they lose by, Matthew? Ten or eight. They lost by eight points. They gave up nine points to turnovers in the fourth quarter. So... That's the challenge with this team. Do they have the potential to be a top-tier team? Yes, but they don't have the sustainability sustainability factor to that, at least in my opinion, watching this team night in, night out. I see spurts of greatness, but I also see spurts where they they, they get in their own way, and that's not the sign of a great team. And if everything has to align for this team to win a championship, odds are it's not going to happen. Would I like it to happen? Absolutely. Can it happen? Sure. Do I think it will? Probably not. That's the acceptance factor that I'm talking about, at least tonight. I know that on Tuesday when we play Denver, you know, it's, yeah, it's getting easier. We play Denver, then we play Toronto, then we play Boston. You know, it's just going through the next five games for the Suns. Denver, at Denver, mind you, at home versus Toronto, at home versus Boston, going to Cleveland, and then going to Boston. That's your next five, Jamsters. You got Charlotte after that. Then you got Milwaukee and Philly and Atlanta. You got two in San in San Antonio. Then you got one at Denver, one at Oklahoma City, one at New Orleans, Cleveland, Minnesota, New Orleans, two against the Clippers. Then you got Sacramento, Minnesota to close out the year. I mean, it's just it, it this ain't the year. God, I wish it was. <laughs> yeah. And uh, you know, the Suns, they remind me, I mean I'm just going to go off of this game. And I think this is the best effort they really have as a team without Booker. And, you know, they're yeah. going to probably come up short in these games against the best of the West. Um, but they remind me of, like, those NFL teams, the sucky ones. Let's just say the Phoenix Cardinals. Or the, <laughs> the Phoenix Cardinals, Arizona Cardinals. It's 1994 again. Yeah, back in the day. Uh, the Arizona Cardinals. Let's just say, like, they're that sucky team in the NFL that always gets a touchdown on the first drive, right? Everything mm-hmm. works out right. Looks good. 7 nothing. Then they get the ball back again, and they're going to go down and score, but they kick a field goal, and it's 10 nothing, And then they end up losing, like, 35-10. to 10. Like, today, when the, when the Suns started out, they were up 17-7 to 7 in the first quarter, and you just saw, I'm going to keep going back to this, Eric Gordon, where he comes in, and he's hesitant on one play where he passes it up to Nurk for a three. When he has a wide-open mid-range shot, he can just hit off the glass. He looks hesitant as hell. That killed them, man. Like, they just cannot have that. They have to have guys that come in here, and know what they need to be doing. 
and not look like they're just scared to, do, to even dribble the ball to the lane. I know Eric Gordon in the second quarter looked a lot better, getting to the rim, hit some big threes tonight. But those are the plays that lead to the Thunder and them coming back into the game because Suns can lose confidence that fast in themselves when they start to doubt themselves like that early in the game. So that's the scary thing about this team right now. No, I, I completely agree. And it's it just goes back to the same point that there's a, they're consistently inconsistent in multiple aspects of the game. And if you're going to go and win a championship, you know, I, I guess there is still time to figure it out. Right. There's what, 22 games left, 21, 22. Right. This was game 60. Yeah. So 22 games left. So, I mean, there is still time to what you throw up two two and it gives you. Oh, you throw up the peace sign. And it gives balloons. Matthew's doing this on his iPhone. And obviously when you do it on your iPhone and you throw up twos and see, I'm doing it. So I'm not on an iPhone anyways. Uh, so there is quote unquote time to figure it out. So there is there, there's still some hope. I'm not, I, I guess what I'm saying is I'm not without hope for this team, but I've accepted at least personally. And again, this is a personal choice, <laughs> although I have, to, I'm the managing editor of bright side of the sun. So it's going to leak into my thought process when I'm writing articles for that website and I'm just going to go in there and, you know, I've, I've already felt the shift post all-star break. I, I felt the shift. I felt the excitement and I go, if the suns can come out and continue what they were doing before the break, there's really a chance that this team can meld together and become something that is uh, going to win a couple series in the postseason. They're two and four since then. And this is the easy part of the schedule. I just went through it. This was the easy part. We played Houston three out of four games. Okay. We had Houston three out of four games. We had Dallas. We had the Lakers and we had OKC tonight. We went two and four in those. Okay. Jamsters. You hear what I'm saying? We went two and four in those. So yeah, we're nine games over 500 right now. Who knows what the future holds? Is there still hope? Yeah. You have good players on this team. I feel like they've tried to make it work. But unfortunately, I just think that maybe that point guard position is something a little bit more than we need. You don't need the traditional point guard. We don't need the CP3, but you need the effective point guard. You need somebody who in the final minutes, you know, you can put the ball in their hands. They're going to make the right decision. Devin Booker's done his best impression of one this season, man. He's done a great job. He really has. He's averaging a career high 6.8 assists. He's averaging 27.5 points per game. But the best Booker's off-ball Booker. The best Booker's the guy who's coming off the screen and getting that ball and playing the Clay Thompson. It's not being the Steph Curry. It's just not what he's designed to do, and that's okay. Devin Booker's a great scorer, and he's he's a killer. He's got that killer instinct in the final minutes of the game. But that's not what he's designed to do is to be the, the primary facilitator. Now he's hurt too. So who knows? Uh, what else you got from this game, Matthew? Uh, uh, Damian Lee, or Damian Lee. Yeah, what about Damian Lee? Say, yeah, I actually ran into him uh, outside the bathroom. Oh, uh, nice. Saban, Saban, Saban Lee. Uh, some decent man tonight, but you can see he was kind of lost sometimes. But he had five quick points there in the fourth quarter. To help he hit a three. That lead. Yeah, he did. Yeah, left wide open, just like Josh Giddy tonight from three, where he had all the space in the world, which makes sense. Um, but yeah, that's really all I got. Eubanks had a couple dunks, but he was feeding Eubanks uh, back-to-back possessions there, finding him underneath the rim. So that was nice to see, but nothing really too crazy. So here's my question on Drew Eubanks, and I think this is a good conversation as well. Should Frank Vogel experiment giving those minutes to Thaddeus Young potentially? Because you mentioned it. He was 2-3 of three from the field in 11 minutes. He had six points. He had three, reba- three rebounds and assists. He also was a team-worst negative 13. 
And he was he both he and Saban Lee were out there in crunch time when they shouldn't have been out there in crunch time. And I feel like somebody more experienced like Thaddeus Young uh, with the rebounding capability, the defensive capability, he's not going to shoot, but neither is Eubanks. So why not give it to the more experienced player? I think there's a time and a place to start experimenting with that. And I think that time and the place is rapidly approaching. Oh, man, it just reminds me of last year where we get these buyout guys and we're now just like hoping to God that they can do something. And I'm like, where is Thaddeus and how come he hasn't really played? But then also it's like, well, this need to take time to get into the lineup. But why would he not be playing if you're throwing um, um, Roddy Piper out there tonight to play, you know, some big minutes tonight? It was Saban Lee. Like, so you think you would experiment with him along the lines of using those guys as well. But that wasn't a thing. And I don't even know what's going to go on with uh, the backup center position because for me uh even with nurk playing tonight i thought maybe he was gonna miss some time i thought we'd see a lot more bobo behind mm-hmm. eubanks but then also i thought maybe bobo could have came in and played eubanks and then bobo did come in i'm like i don't want bobo in the lineup i don't even know everything's just fucking fun. you were looking forward to the bobo versus chet Holmgren matchup i and, really was you know I, you know bull, bull played seven seven minutes uh and you're right we got some roddy minutes There you go. Roddy. Rowdy, Roddy. Yeah, they have the sound on. Oh, it's pretty good. It's a drum line going. Uh, I think that's the first time I've played that on the pod, right? Uh, yeah, it is, because I didn't even know you had a drum. Oh, yeah. No, I created cool. that quite some time ago. He just never fucking plays. But he played tonight. He had seven minutes. He was 0-1 from the field. Negative five in the plus minus. But, uh, yeah, David Roddy got some minutes out there. I mean, that's that's where the Suns are at yeah. right now. Um, Let's talk about what's going on in Oklahoma City tonight. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. Matthew, where is she? Tell me, where the fuck is she? I've been looking everywhere. I just need to give her my pen. She asked for to borrow a pen and then she never came back. Where is she? Sorry. Who is um, that? Uh, Rachel Dawes. <laughs> Where's Rachel? Wait, did wait? Did you do Batman here? No. Subreddit. No. Oh. <laughs> I forgot okay. the mask. Can I tell you really quick? I told my mom today at breakfast. I was like, something about she found out somehow I was doing like the Valley Girl thing, <laughs> and she saw Matthew. She's like, you got to be careful nowadays. You get canceled for stuff. You're not saying bad things, are you? I'm like, no, I'm not. I'm just, aren't you proud of me, mom, that I'm doing a Valley Girl impression of the game? What's that even mean? I don't know. You're going to get canceled, Matthew. <laughs> oh, God. Uh,. Well, I was hanging out in Oklahoma City tonight, and I'll say this. Not a lot of negative trash talk. Um, There was a lot of trash talk, and it was primarily about Josh Giddy. Giddy dribbled the ball up the court, and Nurkic turned his back on him and walked away. Fuck off, Giddy. Giddy getting a, the Ben Simmons treatment. Come on, Giddy. That's not the shot. Bro, Giddy, here we go again. 
It appears the great giddy civil war 2024 is over, and we've all agreed now. They hate Josh Giddy. They hate him. I would too. I you know what? Watching him, I'm like, I was not scared of anything he was doing on the court. Offensively or defensively. He's a cone, a traffic cone on defense. Uh, but they love their SGA. Uh KD wishes he was SGA. Um, that one's funny. I'll change that. Save that one for last. No, I'll say it right now. <laughs> I gotta tell my mom that I'm that I, I'm about to say what I'm about to say. <laughs> Don't tell your mom I said this. Uh, Katie jerks off to SGA highlights when he goes to bed. Phoenix have absolutely no answer for our swarming defense. Once the ball is out of KD's hands, no one else knows what the fuck to do with it. And it's hilarious. Ha ha ha. KD is playing like dog water. That's so embarrassing, you punk ass bitch. Sun's sound effect corny as hell. Can I get paid $200,000 to dick around on the court like these refs? It's a pretty good one right there. Uh, and I like this one. This one they said when they were losing. Or, uh, and then I think it just at the end. Fuck basketball. The Suns Jam Session subreddit stakeout. There you go, subreddit stakeout. <laughs> You're on mute. Well, that was a good one. I was <laughs> crying on that one. Those are good. Those are really good. Man. It was, dude, so much. Like, I could have done a whole subreddit stakeout, the entire podcast, just reading anti-Giddy comments. They hate Giddy so much for so many different reasons. You know, they yeah, said... and food here. Yeah, well, of course. You know, there's obviously so, some... Uh, legal yep. issues that he's had, but they said that that's affected the way that his confidence, the way he plays, he's tentative. He doesn't make layups. He doesn't make threes. He doesn't play defense at all. And when the, when the Suns went up big early in the game, they pulled Giddy out the game. And all of a sudden, the, the, uh, the Thunder have the lead at the end of the first quarter. And they're like, that's the Giddy effect, you know? So, I mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that's what you get when it comes to Josh Giddy. So, uh, what else do you have on this game before we hand out some hardware there, buddy? Nothing. Um, I was sitting uh, courtside pregame, and it was funny. Uh, Rex Chapman was next to me with some people, and he kept inviting people over. And I kept scooting down. He's like, "Can you, can you scoot down?" I'm like, oh, yeah, sure. And then another guy comes like, "Hey, do you mind scooting down?" I'm like, yeah. And he starts laughing. He's like, "Can you scoot down again? Is that okay?" I was almost falling off the bench. So that's what I have in the beginning. Um, you know what? Honestly, like today's energy. Remember last game, the Houston Rockets game? Like I was like, the energy was not there. Yeah. Tonight, tonight I felt it. And, you know, the, the way the sun started tonight, I can feel it pregame. You know, Katie didn't miss a shot pregame at all. Um, it just felt good in the arena tonight, and obviously they couldn't keep it up. But you could feel how this team really wanted to get on the right end of things before Booker returns. Um, but, yeah, that's all I have, man. You got a I theory just, on that. What is it? Saturday Night Suns. I have a theory on this. So, as you mentioned, Saturday night, downtown phoenix you got a bunch of celebrities inside the building right and the crowd that comes with a saturday night typically 
isn't a crowd that ha- that is full of fans, in my opinion. It's more of people who want to be seen there, right? The ten- the tickets typically are a little bit more expensive. And so you get a certain, you know, people who enjoy the sport but don't know the team. And they don't know, you know, they're the, the, the Fairweather fan. Whereas a Sunday night, like, and there's a reason. Entering tonight, the Suns were 9-3 and three on Sundays. It's their best record. I think in any any day of the week, yeah, their most wins are on Sundays. Uh, their least amount of wins are on Saturdays. They're two and three on Saturdays this year, and I think it's because it's like you got to get up and go to work in the morning, right? So if like you're out there tonight, you're like a true fan, and you understand this team, and you understand how the roster is constructed, and you're actually out there just cheering the way that you you should be, in my opinion. So that's just a little spat I had on that. I, I truly believe, and that's an issue with the playoffs too. When the playoffs come around. There's a reason why there's a nervousness that enters the arena anytime the Suns go down. It's because it's a bunch of people who don't watch the team all year, and all of a sudden they're there, and the Suns are down 12, and then that nervousness goes away and that energy goes away. We've seen it. We've seen it time and again. It happened last, It happened in Game 7 against the Mavs, man. It's like Luka Doncic hit two shots, and like the whole crowd was like, um, should we go to the parking lot? I don't know what to do because they're just not season ticket holders. Yeah, exactly, exactly. And the, the whole fan thing's a really weird situation because tonight, we're, they were, I don't know if you heard, in the first quarter, or was the second quarter, the fans were letting the Suns have it when the yeah. went up like 18 points. Like this, yeah. it, it, it reminds me of, and they're not as intense, but it's like the New York Knicks crowd. Like the way that they can just are filled up the Eagle fans. Like they can, we now boo the Suns when we're down because we expect better, right, every night. And then now it's like when they go on a run, it's just so loud and you can just feel it, the emotions. It's, it's a real thing with this crowd. So it's definitely turned around to where the expectations are so high to where everything just kind of goes back and forth between the emotions of the fans and the players. So it's a it's a thing that has to adjust. And even like Grayson Allen talked about it in a post-game press conference once where he kind of wants more support from the fans, not boo us, not to boo them. But that's just the way the crowd is now. So I guess they just have to deal with it. Fair, very fair. And when the crowd is full of Rex Chapman and he keeps having you move up, was it Rex Chapman who was asking you to move every time? Yeah. <laughs> he, didn't, he didn't remember you from Brightside Night? No, no. I think he would recognize you. I think I was I was a creepy guy in the back uh, taking pictures, <laughs> so I don't think he really knows me so much. <laughs> Do you know who the, the third person was to sit down next to him that made you move? No. It doesn't matter! It doesn't matter who it was. It doesn't matter. That's not even a highlight at all. Of the game, man. Jam star of the game. Who are you giving jam star to? Oh, dude, Nurk. Yeah. Sure. If I Nurk. could every night, I would. <laughs> but tonight, yeah. especially. Yeah, big. I already typed it in for you. Big Nurk Daddy, man. 31 fucking rebounds. <laughs> big Nurk Daddy. 31 rebounds. Rally. 31 rebounds. That's insane. Dude, my Lanta. What's crazy is there's been two really good single performances. This whole year, every time there's a great performance, like Booker went for 62, loss. Uh, Bull Bogles for like 25 and 14, loss. (laughs) 31 rebounds by Yusuf Nurkic, loss. You know what? Uh, Anthony Davis was talking about LeBron. Whenever he breaks a record, they lose. So it's like, <laughs> uh, I guess we just got to knock that off too on our end. 
Yeah, I guess it's just kind of par for the course, if you will. <laughs> All right. <laughs> Next up, <laughs> the Phoenix Suns. They're 42 and 19. The Denver Nuggets in Yikes. Denver. It is, uh, God, what, this? only the second time we've played them this season? Yeah, the only time, other time that we played them, we lost 119 to 111 back on Friday, December 1st. Uh, here in Phoenix, the next two games we have against Denver, both are in Denver, one on the 5th and one on the 27th. Thoughts on this game, Matthew? Uh, it's tough because we talked about Shea being the MVP, but it's really Jokic. Um, <laughs> the guy, it's too easy for him out there. Um, I, I can't remember, but the last time these two, um, Dirk and Jokic went head to head, didn't Dirk, he, he held them pretty solid, right? Yeah, yeah. It wasn't the he best game by really Jokic. It was kind of one of those games where Jokic was getting called by fouls early, uh, called with fouls early in the game. So it kind of took him out of it. Um, so hopefully if we get the same thing, we have a chance. But right now, I mean, we just have to hold tight and pray to, pray to Jesus that this one works out and we can maybe pull one off. Yeah, this is a team that um, doesn't shoot a ton of threes. They're 27th in the league in three-point attempts, 14th in the league in three-point percentage. Uh, they don't go to the line a bunch either, which is kind of surprising with Jokic. They attempt the 28th uh, least amount of free throws. But where they get you is with their assists, obviously with Jokic out there. Uh, they they don't turn the ball over. They're six in the league in turnovers. And from an opposition standpoint, they you know seventh in the league relative to total points allowed per game. They have the ninth best defensive rating and the seventh best offensive rating and the seventh best net rating. So this is a very, very good uh, basketball team that the Suns are going to be going to Denver and playing up in mile high on Tuesday. So uh, one game up there, we're, and then they're back for Toronto and <clears throat> and Boston. And Boston just fucking killed the Warriors today, man. Killed them. Did you see the final score of that one? It was like 148. No. Oh, my God. Yeah, I mean, there's no one else really in the East to compete with them. And um, with the Nuggets, I mean – this is a team that really wants to be the number one seed in the West now. So that's the thing that's really scary is because I think they really want to turn it on heading towards the playoffs and the Suns aren't really a matchup for them if you look at it. So I don't know. Well, it goes back to, you know, obviously defending NBA champions, but it goes back to those words, organic chemistry. Uh, and they definitely possess that. And they're, they're fighting for that number one seed, the Oklahoma city thunder with the win tonight take over the number one spot in the West. A half game behind them are the Minnesota Timberwolves. A half game behind them are the Denver Nuggets. So a team that has something to play for, a team that's entering the game against the Suns on a six-game winning streak. Suns, who are now currently the seventh seed, are on a two-game losing streak. And as I mentioned, are two and four coming out of the break. Not in the best of places with Devin Booker potentially being injured for quite some time, a week or two with a sprained ankle. Those things never are positive. So acceptance, acceptance, my friends, except that we are on the roller coaster and the roller coaster is headed down right now. And you just got to hold on to your seat. We're screaming and we're putting our hands up in the air. Just don't have your phone up and it'll go fly and hit somebody in the back. And you don't want us to do that. That's rude. Yeah. And uh, most importantly too, before we get out of here, the uh, I'm, I'm at the game. So the sit time tonight, I guess anybody can track it from home. But the sit time for the first shot made for the Suns was a minute 22 seconds into the game. So 
if anybody gives a fuck or gives a crap. Is that what it was? I was getting It was, yeah. Yeah. Anybody can track that. So it's not even a special thing I can do here at the game. So (laughs) disappointing. (laughs) Well, on that note, Jamsters, we're going to go ahead and get out of here again. Thank you for hanging out with us. Uh, Hit the thumbs up button if you're on YouTube. Give us five stars on Apple Podcasts or on, on Spotify as well. I think they're taking our podcast off of Google Podcasts because I think they're getting rid of Google Podcasts. I think that they realize they're like, yeah, we're Google and we can do anything, but we don't need to do podcasts. So I didn't even know we were on Google Podcasts. We're so. on any anywhere like Stitcher. We're on any places of podcasts. We're there, which is crazy. But who does um, Valley of the Sun? Is that, is that Google Fan-sided? Podcasts? Fan-sided, yeah. No, but we take our podcast and we distribute it via Red Circle, and Red Circle pushes it to all the different podcasting okay. platforms. Got so it. that's that's all of them. So okay. that's that's why you can hear us in Germany, where we're the seven, like the seventy third most popular podcast in bas- awesome. basketball in Germany. So pretty impressive. Thank you, Germany, for that. We appreciate it. Uh, on that note, Jamsters, have a great night. We'll see you on Tuesday. See you next Tuesday. credit card bill.